Good morning, LifeBridge. Welcome to LifeBridge Online. I'm Pastor Chris. This is usually our discovery hour where we have classes for all ages and stages. And we get into the Bible and seek to bridge the gap between learning and living. And so right now, I just want you to take a moment and share. Share this teaching out with your Facebook friends. Let's share the good news that God has for us this morning. And if you're just coming in and this is your first time with us, or you've been watching and you have a prayer request, or you need help to take next steps in your spiritual journey, there in the comments, we have a connection card. We'd love to hear back from you, and I promise we will be praying for you. So, here's what I want to do. I want you to be engaged as we move through this. And so, let's start with that great reminder, God is good all the time. And I just want you to take a moment and type into the comments. You know what to type. All the time, God is good. God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good. And He was good last week, and He's good this week, and He's going to be good moving into the future. We don't know what that's going to look like. It's not going to be back to normal. It's going to be different, and it's going to stretch us. And yet we know that the goodness and the grace of God has not changed. So I encourage you this morning, look up to Him. As we open God's Word, let's stay focused together. So let's pray. Let's pray to this gracious and good God who is unchanging. Father, we come and we thank You that You are large and in charge. You are in heaven and yet You're near and dear. You are our heavenly Father. You care. You know. You know what is in front of us. You know the future because you hold the future in your hands. Lord, you hold us in your hands and you care about us. And so I pray that each person that is listening would be encouraged in you. They would be strengthened in you. Lord, we lament the losses Loss of life, loss of income, loss of fellowship, loss of worship together. Lord, there's many losses, and yet in our losses, we see the greatness and the need for you. And that's what I pray this morning. I pray as we get into a message that talks about how you want to satisfy our hearts, that you will reveal yourself to each person, and you will make much of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. In His name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we've been studying the gospel according to Isaiah, and we've and that gospel is especially revealed in Isaiah 53, where we saw that God has provided salvation for us through His sacrificial lamb, his servant who became our sin bearer and our substitute through penal substitutionary atonement. You're like, I'm not sure what that is. We did a whole lesson on it. Go back to our website, wearelifebridge.com, and you can check it out. 
But we also saw in Isaiah 53 the full range of the gospel. We saw his incarnation of Jesus. We saw his sinless life. We saw his crucifixion, his burial, his resurrection, his exaltation to the right hand of the Father, and even his consummation when he returns to reign and to rule and have that name that is above every name. And he is King of kings and Lord of lords. And so the question becomes, how should we respond to this good news? And it is good news. So type in the comments there, the gospel is good news. The gospel is good news. How should we respond to it? Well, like any other good news that you hear. And so how should we respond to the gospel according to Isaiah? Isaiah tells us in chapter 54 and chapter 55, the two chapters that follow Isaiah 53. And here's the answer. Shout for joy and share the news. Shout for joy and share the news. In fact, The first verse in each of these chapters tells us exactly how to respond. In your Bibles, if you want to look there in Isaiah 54.1, it says, Shout for joy, break forth into joyful shouting, and cry aloud. That's how we should respond to the gospel, with a loud shout of joy. But here in chapter 55, verse 1, we see an invitation And it starts out with, hey, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, come buy and eat. Now, in your notes, and you can download those there in the comments, the, the links are there in the comments. And if you look at it, I have a chart there that kind of shows the relationship, not kind of, actually does show the relationship between Isaiah 53, 54, and 55. In 53... We see the servant is the substitute for salvation. In 54, we hear the celebration of salvation. And in 55, we see the invitation to salvation. Now, there's more that we could develop on that. That's why I put it in the notes. You can look at it. Last week, we looked at chapter 54 and saw the celebration of joy. This week, we want to look at chapter 55 and see the invitation that is extended, the great invitation in chapter 55. In fact, we're going to take five weeks to do that. We're going to break down this great chapter and move through it in five weeks. And this week, we're looking at this, this idea of savoring the feast that God has provided for us. So, if you have your Bibles and I hope you do, turn with me to Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55, and we're going to read verses 1 through 3. So I'm reading from the New American Standard. Whatever version you, you have, follow along. Isaiah 55, 1. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, Buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat 
what is good and delight yourself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me. Listen that you may live and I will make an everlasting covenant with you according to the faithful mercies shown to David. Truly, the first thing I want you to see is right there in verse 1. This is an invitation from the Lord to everyone, to everyone this morning. This is an invitation to each of us this morning. The first word that you see in verse 1 in this invitation is the word ho. No, 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 not that ho. It's a Hebrew word, and it basically means hey, hey you. What do you do? Parents, kids, what do you do when you want to get someone's attention? You holler out, hey you, listen to me, look over here. And that's what the Lord is doing. The Lord is trying to get our attention this morning because he has something very good to give to us. And he doesn't want you and I to miss out on it. And so the Lord is shouting through the prophet Isaiah and he's saying, hey, everybody, listen up. I don't want you to miss out on this great feast. Now, this is an invitation that is truly too good to review, refuse. That's why he wants us to hear it. And this morning, we're going to focus on the first three verses of chapter 55. John Piper divides these verses into three questions, and we're going to do the same. And here's the questions. Who is invited to this feast? What are we offered in this feast? And what must we do to savor and come and enjoy this feast? So let's look this morning at an invitation that's too good to refuse. Come to my table, the Lord says, and it's time for a feast. So let's look at that first question. Who is invited to the feast? Who's invited? And as I said, everyone is invited. It doesn't matter who you are this morning. It doesn't matter if you're rich or you're poor. It doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman. It doesn't matter if you're, uh, if you're healthy or if you're sick. It doesn't matter what ethnicity you are. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter who your parents are. This is an invitation offered to everyone. And yet, everyone is divided into two groups of people. They're divided into two groups of people. There's two kinds of people that all of us fall into. The insufficient and the self-sufficient. So let's look at that first group of people. It's the insufficient. And we see though these people in verse 1. They're people who are thirsty, but they're broke, and they can't pay for what they really need. And so here's what the Lord says. Hey, listen up. Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and you who have no money, you're broke, Come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. You see, the first group of people are thirsty and they're broke. Thirsty means they're unsatisfied in life. 
broke because they have no money to provide their own satisfaction. God is inviting anyone this morning, and this is so good. He's inviting anyone who is thirsty and dissatisfied with life. Anyone who has given up all hope of finding fulfillment and satisfaction. Guess what? You are invited to a feast this morning. Now, let me just stop and let's get personal here. Maybe you can identify with this first group. You feel insufficient to find fulfillment in your life. And you feel broke, and you feel broken. You're unsatisfied, and you're insufficient to do anything about it. Like Mick Jagger of the Stones, your theme song in life seems to be, I can't get no satisfaction. And right now, there's a thirst in your heart that you just can't seem to satisfy. Nothing has seemed to quench this desire to to be fulfilled, to, to be content, to be satisfied. Maybe you've tried everything. You've tried a different job, a different car, a different house. Maybe a new relationship. Maybe even a new religion. Maybe even a new church or even a new Bible reading plan. You've tried everything and yet you're still not satisfied. You're thirsty. And more than that... You've become helpless and hopeless of thinking that you can ever find real, lasting fulfillment and satisfaction. Well, guess what? I have good news for you this morning. This is exactly the kind of person the Lord invites to be find fulfillment in Him. He is calling you and He's saying, Hey, listen up. You may feel insufficient. You may be dissatisfied, but come, come to my feast. Well, there's a second group of people as well, and they're in verse 2. And those people are the self-sufficient, the self-sufficient. These are people who are thirsty, they're thirsty, but they think they can pay for what they really need. They think they are self-sufficient enough to find and uh, find satisfaction and quench their thirst. Now, realize that it's easy for the self-sufficient to look down on the insufficient and think to themselves, they're so weak. What a bunch of losers. They're so helpless. They're so hopeless. They're so unlike me. You see, you might be thinking, those kind of people, they just need to pull themselves up by their own bootstraps. They need to apply themselves a little more. Make some effort. Put in the hours. Get a job. Find a soulmate. Have some kids or don't have any kids. Climb the ladder of success. Live the American dream. Or be an urban dweller. Or, if you want and it satisfies you, be an outlier who just does their own things and just get off, live off the grid. Here's the bottom line that the self-sufficient say to themselves and even to others. Do what you need to do to be satisfied in life. You see, the self-sufficient think that they've found what 
Mick Jagger never found. Their song is, I can get satisfaction. And here's why. Because I'm rich enough. I'm smart enough. I'm skilled enough. I've got the energy. I've got the health. I've got the wherewithal to find satisfaction in life apart from God. But look at verse 2. Look at verse 2 in your Bibles. And what does God say to the self-sufficient? Here's what He says. Why do you spend money for what is not bread? What won't sustain you? And why do you... And your wages. Why do you spend your wages for what does not satisfy you? Basically what He's saying is, look, you're expending all this effort And you're investing all this energy, but the reality is what you're doing will not sustain you in life and it will not satisfy you in life, especially when it counts in the life to come after death. You know, one of the things, God's doing many things through this pandemic and He's doing it globally. And I don't pretend to know everything He's doing, But I know one thing that he is doing, because this is something he's always doing. This pandemic is revealing the idols in our lives that we think will sustain us and satisfy us. And God in his grace is stripping so many things away that we have found our satisfaction in. And he's revealing our true thirst and hunger for him. You see, maybe you're younger, and so you feel immune to COVID-19. Maybe you have not been laid off or furloughed from your work. Maybe you have, you have been, and you have been laid off, but you're confident. You're confident in yourself that you will get back on top in time when things get back to normal. But I ask you, What if they don't get back to normal? What if you do lose your health? What if you do lose your job? What if, despite your best efforts, you don't get back on top? You know what the result is? It's going to be frustration. It's going to be a sense of insufficiency. It's going to be dissatisfaction. And even if you make it through this life, there comes a time where it is appointed unto man once to die. And then we come face to face with God in the judgment. And all our best efforts and all our idols will be blown away. And we will be standing naked and ashamed before our God. Here's the point. It doesn't really matter which group you're in because both groups are broken and broke. You see, it's really ironic. Really, this is a picture of our total depravity and our spiritual inability to find eternal satisfaction in this life and the one to come. Here's the bottom line. We can't save ourselves and we can't satisfy ourselves apart from God. And so what we see is that both of these groups are thirsty. Both of these groups are broke. Both groups are unable to find and purchase lasting satisfaction. Both 
groups have to humble themselves to come to the table and savor the feast. You see, the insufficient are too proud to come because they feel, well, I don't have any money. There's, I, 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 can't, I can't help in the process. And the Lord says, no, 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 no. You are insufficient, which is, qualifies you to come. But you still have to humble yourself and say, yeah, I'm, I'm just a beggar and I'm broke and I'm broken. And of course, the self-sufficient need to humble themselves and say, you know what? I thought I could do it on my own. I thought I could do it just having you, God, a little bit of God on the side. But I realize I, too, am broke and broken. So we've answered the first question. It's in verses 1 and 2 of your Bibles right there. The answer is, who is invited to this feast? It's everyone. The insufficient who feel they have nothing to offer, and the self-sufficient, who think they can do it all alone. Both of them, the Lord says, no, no, no. Come to me, and I will provide a feast. Now, that brings us to the second question, and it's this. What is offered in the feast? What is offered at the feast? And we really see this in verses 1 through 3. So kind of look at look in your Bible and see. Look at verse 1. It says, Hey, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. So there's waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine. There's another thing offered. And milk. There's another thing. Without money, without cost. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me. Eat what is good and delight yourself in abundance. Come to me that you may live. Here's what we see. What is the Lord offering? He's saying, come and savor the feast. I offer you abundant satisfaction and eternal salvation. In me and my suffering substitutionary servant. Abundant satisfaction and eternal salvation. So let's look at these two promises from the Lord. Here's what the Lord is telling us this morning. And it's this. Only I can give you abundant satisfaction. Only I, the one true God, the Lord, the promise keeper, the ever-present Redeemer, Yahweh, I am the one who can give you abundant satisfaction. Now, everyone wants satisfaction. Everybody wants it in this life. Think about it. We talk about customer satisfaction. We talk about job satisfaction. We talk about relational satisfaction. We talk even about spiritual satisfaction. And so many people and so many things in this world promise us satisfaction guaranteed but you know what no one and no thing in this world can ever satisfy us apart from God in fact he is the only one who can really satisfy us and here's the good news he's the only one and he's freely offering us abundant satisfaction. Look at verse 2 again. Listen diligently to me 
and eat what is good. And look at that last phrase. Let your soul delight itself in abundance. Now, to help us understand just how abundant and how complete this satisfaction is, the Lord uses three figures of speech, three word pictures. And they're right there in your Bible, water, milk, and wine. And let's just briefly look at these and see what is the Lord offering us. Here's what you want to think about when you read water in this passage. Water pictures our need for refreshment. Now think about it. When you're thirsty, when you're dehydrated, when you have worked hard out in the yard or you've practiced hard in your sport and you are thirsty, there's one thing you want and that's clear, cold, refreshing water. It like brings you back to life. I don't have the time this morning to tell you the story of when I got seasick on one of our great missions trips. But I can tell you this, I was dehydrated. I was wiped out. And I was just lying there saying, water, cold water. I just needed water to bring me back to life. And this is what God is offering us. This is why Jesus said to the Samaritan woman, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to you, give me a drink, you would ask him and he would give you living water. This is why Jesus said of himself in in the city of Jerusalem, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And so water pictures that all-encompassing, life-giving refreshment. But number two, milk. Pictures our need for nourishment. Listen, if you're thirsty and you're dying of thirst, you want water. But if you want a baby to grow, you give them milk day after day after day. This is why Peter writes in 1 Peter 2, Like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. I like what John Piper says about this idea of milk versus water. God is not just for emergencies and mountaintops. He is for health in the long haul. He invites you not only to come alive with water, but to be stable and strong with milk. And that brings us to the third picture, and it's wine. And wine pictures our need for enjoyment. This is so good. Wine is a luxury. Wine is not needed to survive. Wine pictures us thriving in life. God wants you to do more than survive, more than to be stable and strong. God wants you to be full of joyful satisfaction. Do you realize this is one of the reasons why Jesus' first miracle was to turn water into wine at a wedding feast because he was saying look the kingdom is near because the king is here and there is joy joyful satisfaction and the wine pictures that now what god offers in water milk and wine is no soup kitchen handout this isn't like some army mre meal No, no, no. Look at verse 2. 
eat what is good. Let your soul delight itself in abundance. Good refers to the best, top quality. And abundance means there's no end to how much there is. Now, just think about this. What's your favorite food? Maybe in the comments there you want to just tell us. Tell us what your favorite food is. If you were going to have a feast, an all-you-can-eat buffet, as much as you want, what would you want? Now, I'll tell you what mine is. You probably know. It'd be KC Barbecue. In fact, it would be a Joe's Kansas City Barbecue Buffet. There would be top-quality burn-ins, pulled pork. There would be Z-Man sandwiches stacked high. All you could eat. Now, that may not attract you. They may not interest you. But whatever it is, God knows what will satisfy our hearts. And here's what he's basically offering us. He's saying to us, eat, drink, and be merry. For the Lord has provided a feast that will provide soul satisfaction in this life and even more so in the life to come. Now, I truly believe that in the coming kingdom, uh, we know from the Bible that we're going to have resurrected bodies. We're going to have glorified bodies and there's going to be a new creation. We're not going to be floating like, uh, you know, cherub babies on, on, uh, on cotton clouds uh, uh, strumming our harps. We're going to be right down here. Physically, and I think there's going to be milk, there's going to be wine, there's going to be water, there's going to be delights to eat of. But behind all that, and because of, uh, uh, ultimately, all of that is available because of the spiritual offering. And this is the second thing I want you to see. God is saying to us, only I can offer you and provide you and give you eternal salvation. Only I can give you abundant satisfaction, but that satisfaction is found in my gift of eternal salvation. Look at verse 3. Verse 3 is probably so key. The Bible, compare scripture to scripture, the Bible will interpret itself. In verse 3, the Lord drops all the metaphors, all the word pictures, all the figures of speech. And here's what he says. Incline your ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. You see, in verse 1, the Lord says, Come to the waters. Come, get milk and wine. But here, he strips that all away and he says, Listen to me and come to me because I'm what really satisfies. I am what you really need. Now just stop and think. The Lord is the living water we need. The Lord is the nourishing milk we need. The Lord is that exhilarating, joyful wine that we need. He is our life. He is our growth. And He is our joy. But how can He do this? How can a holy God offer saving grace and abundant salvation to people who are so weak, so helpless, so hopeless, so proud, and so self-sufficient. you got to remember, the Lord is speaking through Isaiah to the nation of Israel 
long before they go into exile, before they have repented, before they have confessed, Lord, we can't do it without you. They're still in their rebellious hardness of heart. How could it be that God could offer such sinful, hardened, self-sufficient people? How could he offer them such salvation and such satisfaction? Well, the answer is in the last part of verse 3. So look in your Bibles. Look at the last part of verse 3. He says, I will make an everlasting covenant with you according to the faithful mercies shown to David. Now, there's a lot in this, and it goes on into verses 4 and 5. Next week, we're going to dive into it, look at the covenants, look at the relationship of the covenants, and look at the meaning of it all. So come back next week. But for now, I want you to see the way the Lord is able to provide us satisfaction is because He will cut a eternal covenant with those or for those who come to Him. That's the idea. That's what I want you to see. So, very quickly, and I'm not going to so much teach you this as much as tease it out to you. We'll talk more next week. But I want you to see, what is this eternal covenant? And if you've been with us in the study of Isaiah... And if you just trace it out in in the book of Isaiah, you know this eternal covenant, there's just five five observations I want you to focus on. First of all, the covenant, this is the covenant which is the servant, the suffering servant himself. Twice already in the servant songs, Isaiah 42, Isaiah 49, the Lord has said to his servant, you are my covenant to the peoples. And we know that Jesus, when he came as the suffering servant, on the night before he went to the cross as the Lamb of God, he said this, this cup which is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Whatever blessings, whatever satisfaction the Lord has for it, it comes in and through and because of the person and work of Jesus Christ. Number two, the covenant is a covenant of peace, promising eternal forgiveness and reconciliation. We saw that last week in Isaiah 54. It's a covenant that provides peace when we are at war with God. Number three, it's the covenant of eternal salvation and satisfaction. That's right here in this verse. Number four, this is the new covenant that fulfills all of God's promises and does it by giving us a new heart that is yielded to Him, trusting in Him and obedient to Him. In fact, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Isaiah, all the three major prophets, link and speak of this eternal covenant and connect it to the new covenant. And then number five, and we'll talk more next week, this is the covenant that fulfills all of God's promises and it does it through His coming Son of David, the promised King who will rule 
over all and restore all that God has ever created. Now, here's what I want you to see in this. I want you to see that the Lord is a covenant-making and a covenant-keeping God. In spite of our hardness of heart, in spite of our rebellion, the Lord comes to us in our brokenness. He comes to us in our insufficiency. He comes to us in our self-sufficiency. And He says, I'm a covenant-making God. And I'm a covenant-keeping God. And if you will come to me to find satisfaction and salvation, I will provide an eternal covenant that will fulfill all my promises through the Son of David, the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, let's take one more look at the last question. And the last question we want to ask is this. What must we do to savor this feast? What must we do to partake of this satisfaction and this salvation? And God has been telling us all along what to do. In fact, He does it in four unique commands. And yet they're the same thing. And all four of these commands are a picture of saving faith. This is what faith does. All you have to do is respond with faith. But let's look at the word pictures. They all picture humble repentance and obedient faith that trusts the Lord. So let's, let's look at these. There's four of them, and I'll just give them to you. Listen to me, come to me, buy from me without money and without cost, and delight in me. Those are all pictures of faith. They're all related to faith. You say, well, it looks like I'm doing all these things. Yes, but this is what saving faith does. You see, we've reduced faith to just mental assent to a decision we make in the past and then we move on and live life the way we want to. No wonder we're not fulfilled. No wonder we're not satisfied, even though we profess to know Christ. Because saving faith is an active trust in the Lord. So listen, he says, listen to me. Three times in this passage, he says, focus on me. Listen, turn your ear, stretch it out. Listen to what I'm saying. Because why? Because only the Lord can reveal to us how to find satisfaction. Only He can reveal how to be saved. And in Romans 10, 17, it says this, Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word or the message or the good news about Christ. So, How do I get in on this feast? You've got to hear the gospel. And when you hear it, God will create a faith in you to respond. And that's number two. Come to me. Three times in this passage, it says, come to me. The Lord says, come to me. Come to the Lord. And why is that? Because you have to have a relationship with him, saving faith is not just a decision or a transaction in the past. You have to enter into a relationship with the Lord. 
Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Have you come to the Lord? Oh, maybe you made a decision, filled a card, got wet behind the ears between your toes, you've been baptized, you sit in church, but have you come to Him? Do you have a relationship with Him? And is that relationship based on grace through faith? Number three, the picture of faith is this. Buy from me without money and without cost. The idea here is you've got to respond. That's why he says buy. Not because you're going to earn it or deserve it. No, you buy without money and without cost. But the point is you have to respond to the invitation. You see, the reason... Salvation and satisfaction is free. It's not because it's cheap. It's actually costly. According to Isaiah 53, it cost the servant his life. It cost him everything. Eternal judgment born on the cross. It cost the father his son. No, no, no. Salvation and satisfaction is not cheap. It is costly. But the good news is, The Lord and His servant has paid it all. Remember what Christ said on the cross? It is finished, paid in full. But listen, it's not only free, but it's also also it's costly to us, but not in the way of earning it or deserving it, but it's costly to our pride. It's costly to our idea that we want to cooperate with God to somehow save ourselves. We want to kind of work it out to where we do a little bit of it so we can get some of the credit. But here's what the Bible says. We are saved. Listen, we are saved by grace through faith. And this is not of ourselves, not of works, lest anyone should boast. It's it's totally a free gift that we must receive and respond to. And then fourthly, delight in me. I don't think we often think about faith as delighting. And yet it is. I I love what he says in this. Delight yourself. Drink. Eat. Because here's the thing. Maybe you are a, a true believer in the Lord, but you've stopped delighting yourself in the Lord. You've no longer feed on His Word. You no longer drink deeply of His grace. And you've begun to be dissatisfied. You've become, begun, you have begun to drift away. I would say to you this morning, and the Lord is inviting you this morning, delight yourself in the Lord again. Come to Him. So, in conclusion, here's what we're looking at. We're looking at, this morning, an invitation too good to refuse. And the Lord is saying to us, forsake the junk food that this world offers and turn away from the junk food in order to feast on the soul-satisfying salvation of the gospel. You know, we've talked about, you can't help but talk about Mick Jagger and his song, I Can't Get No Satisfaction, whenever you talk about satisfaction. But you know what? You don't have to take my word for it. I want you to listen to the words of Mick Jagger. Here's what he said in an interview. He said this, I would rather be dead 
than singing satisfaction at the age of 45. Well, this July, Mick Jagger turned 77, and guess what? He's still singing, I can't get no satisfaction. Maybe you've lived a life that's been wild, rebellious, and you're burdened with guilt, and you just feel insufficient to come to the Lord. He is inviting you. He is inviting Mick Jagger. He's inviting anyone who feels like they have, are just insufficient to come to him today. But listen, maybe you don't so much identify with insufficiency. Maybe you are one of those self-sufficient people. And instead, you'd like to identify with someone successful like New England Patriots quarterback Tom Brady. Over his career, he won three league MVPs, six Super Bowl rings, four Super Bowl MVP awards, and he's known in some parts of the country as the GOAT, the greatest of all time. Now, we here in Kansas City beg to differ a little bit right now, and we're hoping for good things to come. But back in 2007, Brady did an interview after winning three of his Super Bowls. And here's what he says. He said, you know, I have a hunger for something more. And I quote, why do I have three Super Bowl rings and still think there is something greater out there for me? And there was three more Super Bowl rings. But here's what he says. I mean, maybe a lot of people would say, hey, man, this is what it is. I've reached my goal, my dream, my life. Me? Here's what I think. Gosh, it's got to be more than this. I mean, this isn't. This can't be what it, it's all cracked up to be. And I promise you, if Brady thinks more Super Bowl rings will satisfy that soul hunger, and who knows, maybe he'll get number seven. Us Chiefs, we're hoping not. But you know what the Lord is saying to Tom Brady or anybody that's self-sufficient, anyone who feels they can get satisfaction on their own? He's saying, why do you spend money for what's not bread? And why do you spend your wages for what doesn't satisfy? Hey, it doesn't matter who you are this morning. The Lord is inviting you to come to his table, savor his feast, and find abundant satisfaction and eternal salvation. And I just want to end with a, the words to a song that many of you are familiar with, but it speaks to our situation, and it speaks to this invitation, and it's this, Just as I am, just as I am without one plea, but that your blood was shed for me, and that thou biddest me to come, to thee, just as I am and waiting not to rid my soul of one dark spot, to you whose blood can cleanse each blot. Lamb of God, I come, I come. Lamb of God, I come. Just as I am, though tossed about, with many conflicts, many doubts, fights and fears within, without, just as I am, wretched, Blind, sight and healing of the mind. Yea, all I need in Yule I find. Lamb of God, I come, I come. Lamb of God, I come.
Won't you come this morning? Let's bow our heads and, and as we pray right there in your home, if you want Jesus to come and be your Savior and be your satisfaction, you can turn from the junk food of this world and invite Him in right now. And if you're doing that and, you're going, and you are doing that, let us know in the comment section. Fill out the contact card. Let us know. Let us celebrate with you. Let us rejoice with you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this abundant satisfaction that you offer us. We thank you for the purchase of eternal salvation by your Son. Lord, I pray the invitation is to all, the insufficient, the self-sufficient. Lord, may we come just as we are, And may we find eternal life and abundant satisfaction in you. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Hey, we'll see you same time, same place next week.